hope you all enjoyed the intro. Just decided to switch it up. Kind of, I don't know if y'all watch Power, but 50 Cent did this in Power with Power, like on a new season. He's like, let me switch it up a little bit. I decided to switch it up because college football season's here. And I think everybody, when they hear that ESPN theme song for college football, it's like, okay. Yeah, 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 it's about that time. Labor Day week. Well, first of all, y'all, let me do the intro. What's up, folks? In case you haven't been listening, in case you're a returning listener, I appreciate you. But welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House, another season of Matt Sports House, another episode of Matt Sports House. As you could guess, I am your host, Matthew Anderson. Super excited. Labor Day weekend's here. Usually we're at the beach, but because COVID kind of going crazy right now and because it's crazy expensive, we'll probably be at the crib watching the game. But nonetheless, to open up college football season, at least Power Five schools, you have Georgia versus Clemson, Georgia Bulldogs, Clemson Tigers. Game's going to be at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Can't wait. Kirby Smart will have his Bulldogs ready to go. Dabo Sweeney will always have his Tigers ready to go, especially because Clemson wins this one. They can kind of coast it until the, probably the college football playoff. So this is the game to get amped up for for those Tigers. They know that they're going to meet a team that, that across from the sideline, across from their sideline, it will be just as competitive, if not more. But before we kind of get into all the all the logistics and stuff, they had to, to let y'all know that I was looking at the raw. I was just doing some research and looking at the roster of the Georgia Bulldogs. They have 19 five stars on that Georgia team. 19 of them. Now, this is a message to the younger guys that may listen to this podcast. Although they have 19 five stars on that team, not all 19 five stars play. Because no matter how good you are, how highly you're talented coming out of high school, you still have to come in to compete against guys that have already been in the program and other guys are coming in with you that are like five stars, four stars, and three stars. So you must stay hungry. But that's incredible when you look at the recruiting. Kirby Smart, got to pat yourself on the back for that one because there's not too many rosters in college football that can say that they have that. And uh, that's, that's, that's really dope. Had to point that out. But yeah, like I said, 7.30 ABC. Can't wait. So I guess we're gonna do like almost like a little profile here just to kind of introduce you to both teams. We'll start off with Clemson. DJ, DJ Uyunglele has high expectations, quarterback out of California. We're gonna talk about these California quarterbacks a little bit later. But anyway, he had his day, I don't know, he had his big game debut. We'll say that against Notre Dame last season. He had a really good performance. I think he threw for 400 yards. Clemson didn't get the win, but nonetheless, he shows that he could do it when the bright lights are on. And that's always... Uh, super important DJ is a former five-star prospect himself as a matter of fact I think <laughs> they said at the Clemson football high school camps in high school he came in and he was throwing the ball so hard that they had to start switching around like the rotations for um for the camp because they said he was going to get some campers hurt throwing the ball at some wide receivers like you can't have a guy that just just come into the Clemson football camp just because getting catches through thrown from DJ like getting balls thrown from DJ like they might break their fingers or their face or whatever may have you. But anyway, he'll lead the Tigers out. At running back, you got Lynn J. Dixon. He's a guy that is number 23 for Clemson. He's been, you can tell he's been sitting in the grass waiting on Travis Etienne to go, obviously cheering him alongside and probably helping him out, you know, when he comes to the sideline or whatnot. But uh, Travis Etienne pretty much set every single Clemson running back record at the school, passing the likes of Dwayne Gallman and, uh, Wayne Gallman is and CJ Spillers and those he just kind of pushed all those to the side so he wasn't going anywhere he had that spot he had that spot pretty much since his freshman year but uh and and unfortunately Travis Etienne has suffered a left foot injury and will be out for the whole season so his NFL rookie season with the Jacksonville Jaguars 
is kind of has already come to a conclusion. But anyway, back to the point. Andre Dixon is a guy, and you can see like you because Clemson was blowing everybody out so bad. Or also, whenever Travis needed a break, maybe was frustrated in some games. Lin J came in and they didn't skip a beat. So I've been excited to see what he'll do with him, like having the full role as the starting running back for the Tigers. For the receiving core, you got Justin Ross, who's number eight. He comes from like a 6A school, I want to say in Alabama, as a matter of fact. And he had to sit out the whole last season because he had a neck injury. It's very similar to what happened with Mike Williams. And so he's been, I know, itching to get back to it. The doctors have cleared him, dabbles that he's ready to go. He's been practicing all fall camp or the majority at least, because I know as soon as he got cleared, he was out there at practice. But I think it's super, well, first of all, Justin Ross, to rejuvenate your memory in case you forgot, Justin Ross, whenever it was Trevor Lawrence freshman year, he was the one who had two touchdowns in the Cotton Bowl to beat Notre Dame, and that was as a freshman. I always felt that to him and T. Higgins are similar. I feel like Justin Ross is just naturally, like, can just make stuff happen. I feel like T. Higgins is a little more refined in his skill. And that just obviously became with T. Higgins being a little bit older too, but whatever that's worth. But, but like I was saying, one thing I think is going to be kind of interesting is, so the most of the country knows about Justin already, but Amari Rogers and a lot of the other Clemson receivers are gone that, that people look at, like, oh, I know that guy. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very wild to see who steps up this year and becomes the next kind of household name coming out of that Clemson wide receiver core or that Clemson wide receiver room. So that's what you have to look forward to there. Now we're going to switch gears to the Georgia Bulldogs. At quarterback for Georgia, you got JT Daniels. Jordan Palmer, who is like his private quarterback's coach, the guy who coaches Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, all those guys, and gets them ready for the draft. Anyway, he thinks that JT Daniels is poised for a Joe Burrow type of season. I'm kind of slow to say that because that Jordan, that Joe Burrow type of year that he had with LSU – was like one of a kind almost. You don't see those very often. I guess you saw something similar like that, like Cam Newton's in. But that's very, very rare to come. And not to mention, I don't think the expectation was as, I know the expectation was not as high for Joe Burrow because the lad, that last year, like, they, they, LSU made some noise, but they didn't make like a ton of noise. Like JT Daniels is coming off of winning of what used to would have been a BCS uh, game. I forgot exactly which game that was. It wasn't a college football playoff, but they beat Cincinnati. And the expectations are definitely sky high in Athens for JT Daniels. I don't know if you all remember, he came from the University of Southern Cal. It was expected to come and play and be the guy last year, but had to kind of wait his turn behind some quarterbacks that just had some things going for them at Georgia, but ended, ended, ended up finishing the season. So definitely excited to see JT Daniels. Guy that's definitely projected to go in the first round of the draft if everything pans out. Kirby Smart was talking to the media this week and did say that our guys come to Georgia to play in big games. We had a chance to, we have a chance to play a big opponent opponent. And that's what it's all about. Our fans crave this, our coaches crave this, our players crave this. And as we know, us, the viewers crave this as well. So definitely excited for this week's game. Now that Georgia running back room, you got Zamir White and James Cook. You got a whole bunch of them because Georgia recruits exceptionally well, as we noted earlier with the 19 five stars. But I think these two guys will get the majority of the carries got a little profile from some of the other receiving other running backs in the room on Zamir White and James Cook. And so for James Cook, they said he's very explosive. He can get skinny whenever he wants to, probably between the tackles. And meanwhile, Zamir White is more of a downhill runner. He can make a guy miss if he needs to, but he's the guy that's going to put his head down and get those tough yards. So that's kind of like a yin-yang combination. And like I said, they're deep in that running back room but there's just not enough footballs to get all the way around. So I think those will be the guys you will see coming from the running back position from Georgia. 
Meanwhile, a wide receiver, they are going to be missing George Pickens. He tore his ACL, and they're they're thinking that he might be able to be back by the end, of, to, closer to the end of the season. But he won't be right now. For this game, he'll be out. If you all don't remember George Pickens, and I hate to always bring up like violence of some sort, but he's the one that they got in a fight against Georgia Tech. He threw the Georgia Tech defender against the wall in a rivalry game. Gotta love college football. But like I said, he'll be sitting this one out. But I'm expecting Jermaine Burton, well, two receivers I'm expecting to make some noise. Jermaine Burton, six-foot receiver, sophomore out of California. It's number seven, light-skinned guy, in case you're trying to like put picture them in your head. He averaged uh, 15 yards per catch last season. I expect between him and Kiaris Jackson, who's number 10, he's another six-foot receiver, but he's actually out of the state of Georgia coming out of high school. He's a junior, led the team with receptions last year, and or I think he actually might have tied. It was him and George Pickens. It was real tight. And he's also a return specialist. So I think those are going to be your guys in the wide receiver position. Now, as far as tight ends, I think Georgia thought they were in the exceptional place because they had Eric Gilbert, who was like one of the most highest ranked tight ends coming out of high school ever, who went to LSU, but then he transferred to Georgia. They had him coming into fall camp and they had Darnell Washington, who's like six foot seven, like dude is humongous. But Eric Gilbert reports are saying him and Kirby Smart got it at practice and he didn't dismiss him from the team, but he's not been allowed back with the team. And so he won't be playing in this game. And then Darnell Washington had minor fracture in his foot. And that was reported like last Wednesday. So as you could imagine, if you ever, like, you don't rehab that quick. Like that's, especially maybe if it was a hand, maybe you could put a cast on it, but a foot injury, you're not gonna rehab that quickly to be able to go this week. And if you are, that means it's probably some substances that should not be being used. Shout out MLB. But uh, I probably should not have said that. Probably should not have said that. Yo, but, <laughs> but anyway, Darnell Washington won't be playing this game either. So they'll look to like probably like the third string tight end, which at Georgia still going to be a pretty good guy. But uh, definitely not what they thought they had probably about a month ago heading into the Clemson game because both of those guys present a severe mismatch for the Clemson linebackers. So really excited for that game. Once again, that game will be 730 on ABC. It's going to be crazy. Look forward to watching it. Now, the game that's going to be on earlier that day is going to be Alabama versus Miami, Crimson Tide versus the Miami Hurricanes, the U, if you will. That game will be at 3.30, also be on ABC. Really interested to figure out which game Kirk Herbstreit will be on the call for. That's very important to me. But Miami, the story of Miami is they're one of the most experienced teams in college football. So they, return, they return like 85 or it's, like, it's even the, it's the high 80s or low 90s as far as the production from last season's team, 19 starters return. De'Eric King, their quarterback, is fully recovered from an ACL injury. De'Eric King, before he was at Miami two seasons ago, he was playing at Houston, decided to transfer out of there and go play in the Power Five. So can't blame him there. And then, but meanwhile, for Alabama, Bryce Young, another Alabama quarterback, I mean, another California quarterback playing in the SEC or just playing the South in general. He's the one that Nick Saban says has already gotten about, I think he said like seven figures as far as NLI agreements or endorsements, wherever he may have you. So he's got to get to see if he lives up to the hype. I'm sure that if he's the starting quarterback out of them, we probably won't be disappointed. But I think this game's going to come down to the trenches because if Alabama's defensive line can get after the Miami offensive line, it's really not going to make a difference because De'Aaron King will be kind of running for his life. And while he is a dual threat quarterback, like, them, you know, them Alabama guys can get after it. And then vice versa. 
the Alabama offensive line usually puts three or four guys in the draft every year. So if they can dominate and then shoot if Alabama could just run the ball. I'm sure they'll be happy to do that because I, th- I think that because I was talking to somebody who's a huge Miami fan and I always have to bring this to people's attention. Alabama does not lose the openers on neutral sites. This is going back to 2008. If y'all want to go back there with me, where Clemson, when they had C.J. Spiller and James Davis, which was Thunder and Lightning. If you're a major college football fan, you know what I'm talking about. And they came in to play Alabama. This one, Dabo Sweeney, I think, was just a wide receivers coach. They came in to play Alabama. And that was after Alabama had been down for so long. And Nick Saban and those guys just manhandled Clemson. Just absolutely manhandled the Tigers. And ever since then, they do not lose in the openers, no matter who they play against. And no matter how many guys they lose, how many quarterbacks, corners, receivers, it does not matter. They do not lose that opener. And I'm assuming because those guys have been working so hard, like every school, but it's just the talent is so like so top tier at Alabama that by the time it's time for the season, they're like, we're going to let this thing go. So we're going to see if Miami with this experienced roster can get the job done. I think if they're able to frustrate Alabama early on, they have a chance. But even then, I feel I'm going to go ahead and predict Alabama gets the win. I think they win by at least two touchdowns. And I, and I guess I probably should predict the other game. I, I would like to see Clemson win, but I think Georgia gets that win as well. But nobody beats Alabama in the opener on a neutral site. Really, nobody beats Alabama, period. But we'll, we'll see what happens in this game. Uh, we're basically giving – to make this game more interesting going into it, we're going to present it as if Miami does have a fighter's chance. Some Alabama wide receivers to watch out for is going to be John Mechie, uh, the third. Mechie, yeah. John Mechie, the third. Last season, hit 55. He's number eight. Yeah, he's number eight. Last season at 55 receptions, 916 yards, six touchdowns, average 16.7 yards catch. And then another receiver there is Jamison Williams, which is the speedster from Ohio State last year. That finally got some information on why he left Ohio State. He just said the, it, the, he wasn't exactly sure what his role is. And that Alabama, I mean, that Ohio State wide receiver room got real crowded in a hurry. We'll talk about it a little bit later. And so he decided to go someplace different. Alabama had recruited him very heavily coming out of High school, hit up Saban and the guys. Saban said, come on, and there you have it. So that's going to be a really good matchup. But I'm thinking, like I said, I think Alabama kind of runs away from it. It's, I just don't have confidence. And y'all know how I go with the U every year. We get excited for them, and then they play one of the big dogs, and they get knocked out. It was even like last year when you watched the U play Clemson. It's like, okay, all right, what the U going to do this year? And then at a certain point, Trevor Lawrence and guys got going, and the rest was history. But nonetheless, flattering to see. This would be big for the ACC if Miami can pull this off. And if Clemson, Georgia is a little bit more evenly matched, so it won't be as major. But it would be big for the conference, for the ACC to be able to beat the SEC. As we know, the SEC is kind of running things now. And other conferences are trying to get alliances and stuff to kind of compete against them, which kind of shows the dominance in itself. But we're going to keep moving. Y'all know I'm Ohio State Buckeye. Buckeyes, very excited. Ohio State has Minnesota Thursday night, 8 o'clock on Fox. Joel Klatt should be in the booth. Should be a great one. He always provides good insight. Got to introduce everybody to the new Ohio State quarterback. If you follow the Instagram account, this is a shameless plug. Make sure you go follow it. Matt Sports House on Instagram. That's two S's, so like F and Matt S and then others to start Sports House. It's all one word. Make sure you follow the account. I keep it kind of going there, but for this Ohio State quarterback, CJ Stroud coming out, another quarterback coming out of California. He won the starting job over Kyle McCord and Jack Miller. Jack Miller was a highly touted quarterback out of Arizona. 
Kyle McCord played with Marvin Harrison's son. And I'll talk about him a little bit later because he's he will be playing uh in this because he plays for Ohio State as well and he will be playing against Minnesota. But anyway, CJ 6'3, 218 was the last guy to be invited to the Elite 11. And I don't know if you all know, but the Elite 11 is where all the top quarterbacks go uh, across the country. They have like little regionals and they have like a final. And then they have a lot of the best quarterback coaches and uh, top quarterbacks go there and they compete. And he ended up winning the MVP. So that lets you know how good of the guy he is. He said at first when he got there, people were mispronouncing, mispronouncing his name. Like, who is this CJ guy? Not the CJ, but Stroud, obviously. And because all the rest of those guys are super highly touted, but he actually, I think they said going to the junior year, he was like in the 200s, 300s as far as ranking for quarterback, but he climbed to the top, did the same thing at Ohio State. And um, and the reason I know about him early on, because he worked out with Quincy Avery and he got and got to know him. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure when he made his visit to Ohio State, Quincy was there with him. So I got to hear about him a little bit earlier. He's a dual threat guy, can throw the ball really well. I'm kind of a skeptic when it comes to them comparing people, comparing players to like NFL players, because there's a lot of development that has to happen here, especially for a guy that hasn't started at Ohio State yet. But the players like, yeah, he throws that ball like Russell Wilson. So I was like, okay, we shall see what happens. But I'm a CJ Stroud fan. With this NLI, which is name, image, likeness, because a lot of people don't know what that is, and I understand it, because it took me the longest to figure out what it was, too. But I would like to see them start giving those guys like the jerseys and stuff. Cause I would definitely buy the player t-shirt. Them jerseys be way too expensive. But we're going back to the point. Very excited to see what CJ Stroud does in this game. Now, Ryan Day has announced that there'll be six receivers in the wide receiver rotation for Ohio State. You'll have Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison Jr., which is Marvin, that's Marvin Harrison's son right there. Amika E. Can't even pronounce his whole name. I've looked it up before and I just don't have it. So I'm not going to try to. Chris Olave, who could have been a first round receiver last year if he went out, but I guess he's chasing the championship. Maybe he wants to refine some things. I'm not 100% sure. Garrett Wilson and Jackson's and Jackson Smith and the Jigba. There you go. Now, just to let y'all know, all of these guys are like number one receiver in their class, number two receiver in their class, and they're all in that Ohio State room, wide receiver room. And this is why Jamison Williams left because it's like, yo, like, because he didn't get as much play time last year. Jameson Williams didn't. He did have a big catch in the playoff game against Clemson. But and with them just restocking and guys like Marvin Har- Marvin Harrison Jr., Marvin Harrison Sr.'s son coming in as a freshman and getting play time, he was like, I'd rather get out of here, go to Alabama, where I could probably get more receptions. So definitely, if you're a young wide receiver, watch this game because you will get to see some a lot of number one Number two recruits and uh, wide receiver recruits in the nation kind of going at it in this one. Because the Ohio State uh, wide receiver room is loaded. Also wanted to go ahead and give everybody like a quick tip here. Jack Sawyer, he will, uh, Ryan Day is saying he'll play a little bit in this game, but he's probably going to be the next great defense in coming out of Ohio State. You know, the likes of former Ohio State defense ends have been exceptional. The Bosa brothers, Nick, Joey. And you've got Chase Young, but Jack Sawyer's definitely up next. You got to see a preview of him in the spring game, and he, he's one of those guys. Okay, so we're done. To P.J. Fleck, because I did not really mention a lot about Minnesota because I don't really expect them to compete in this game. They'll surprise me if they do, but P.J. Fleck is their head coach. And, yeah, and then also for the Ohio State defense, we're introducing three new linebackers, not freshmen, just guys that haven't played like that main role at linebacker backups and stuff from last year. And we got to have our secondary has got a ball out this year. 
Malik Hooker, who's a former Buckeye defensive back, younger brother Marcus Hooker, plays on the Ohio State team. And I think the defensive back room, he just got reinstated back to the team. So I don't know how much he'll play on Thursday. But throughout the season, he's definitely a veteran guy. Still definitely probably look to him for experience because we got to play better on the defensive side of the ball. I think offense will be fine. But if that defense side did get to the ball, that defense side of the ball does not get better, we might it'll affect us a little bit in the Big Ten, but definitely we make it back to the playoff. Uh, that's where we really kind of get blown up there. If you can't compete with the big guys, with the big dogs, but staying in the Big Ten, Hunter Johnson. I don't know if y'all remember Hunter Johnson. He was the backup, and he was in the quarterback battle with Trevor Lawrence at Clemson for the starting quarterback job. Clearly, Trevor Lawrence won it. Hunter Johnson decided to transfer to Northwestern. Well, Ryan Helensky, who was the starting quarterback at South Carolina, got benched for. Ryan Alinsky, the former South Carolina quarterback who kind of lost his job to Luke Dottie, also decided to transfer to Northwestern, and they were there battling out, so it was a little bit Carolina-Clemson rivalry in the Big Ten. Hunter Johnson did win that job, so I don't know if I'm assuming Ryan Alinsky, who is another California quarterback, but I'm assuming he's probably going to end up transferring again at the end of the season. Uh, because obviously it wouldn't make any it wouldn't make any sense for him to stay unless he wanted to de develop and maybe at some point when Hunter Johnson leaves or if Hunter Johnson doesn't perform to the standard maybe uh, he'd be able to take that starting role back so some things to watch in the Big Ten not too many people in the Carolinas focusing on Big Ten football but you got one here and I'm sure some Carolina fans will be kind of watching that South Carolina football fans in general will be watching the battle to see if Ryan Helensky can take that spot back or if Hunter Johnson is the guy for the Northwestern Wildcats. But since we're talking about the Carolinas, we're going to go ahead and go to the University, the University of South Carolina, who has a weird kind of ordeal going on there. I told you last week about the guy that came from the FCS program that was that's kind of competing for the job, not last week, but two weeks ago, took out the last episode for information on that. But somebody else has kind of come in for the battle that I want to kind of harp down on. So the University of South Carolina brought in a graduate assistant. He had played at Iowa State with the Cyclones. Then he had played at North Dakota State with Trey Lance. And he kind of just came in. His name is Zeb Noland. And he was just going to be a graduate assistant. But with Luke Dottie getting hurt, the coaches and Beamer was kind of like, hey, you still got some eligibility left. You want to come battle for the starting quarterback job, which seems crazy, but this is this is real stuff. So now what you have is the former graduate assistant is actually competing for the starting job. It's crazy because Zed Noland is really good friends with Trey Lance. They're like the best of friends. And so you know that he's got some lessons learned there, not to mention that he's played in the Big 12 at Iowa State. So that lets you know they only recruit quarterbacks and air the ball out over there. And with him playing at North Dakota State, that's one of the, they say that program trains college quarterbacks to be NFL quarterbacks just about better than any other program because of what they have to do as far as leading meetings. And uh, they have to identify blitzes and stuff for themselves and kind of, instead of being, everybody just being schemed open, they have to like make corrections and stuff at the line. So that lets you go know that this guy is probably on his P's and Q's, not to mention he was a coach. He was a graded assistant. So he was looking at this thing from a coaching perspective, and now he's looking at it for a playing perspective. So that's going to be something to watch to see if he's able to take that starting quarterback job because Luke will play this season, but he's still going to be on injury. So we're, it's going to be, and as a matter of fact, Beamer probably has a press conference coming out on Tuesday. Usually I think they do that press conference on Tuesday. I remember Muschamp used to do it. And he'll probably give us more information on who the starting quarterback will be, but that's definitely something to watch. We're going to switch gears to the NFL. 
Y'all, I told y'all, I told y'all, I told y'all Jameis Winston was going to win that starting quarterbacking job. So happy to see that he won that. Um, in the preseason game, he had this most recent preseason game, he went nine for 10, 123 yards and two touchdowns. Marquez, shout out Marquez Callaway coming from the University of Tennessee. But he stole the show having five catches for 104 yards and two touchdowns. And he really made Jameis Winston look really good. So major shout out to the Florida State fans because I know y'all are excited about Jameis Winston. I depending on how y'all feel about him, I don't know how y'all feel about Jameis. He did win a Heisman Trophy, was number one pick, but he also did a lot in his tenure at uh, Florida State. But Marcus Callaway making the Tennessee Volunteers look good. So with that being a thing, Jameis can now fully prepare, get all the reps with the ones as they prepare for their season opener. Now we got a couple quarterback battles I kind of want to talk about here very briefly. Going on in the NFL, you got Mac Jones and Cam Newton going at it for that starting role with the New England Patriots. I'm pretty sure Cam gets it, gets the gets the nod for the, I'm going to say the first team quarterback. We're just going to say for QB1. That, that's our reference moving forward for QB1 for the New England Patriots. But I do think that Cam won't be able to have like 100-yard passing games this season and get away with it because Mac Jones is the future. So Cam just got to Cam got to keep it going this season and really get it back going almost like how he was whenever they start off against the Seattle Seahawks last season before he had COVID, but he has to get that going. He has to be consistent because otherwise I do not think they will hesitate to bring in Mac Jones. You also have Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo. I call him Jimmy G generally, but um, you got those two going at it for the starting quarterback job. It seems to me that the team really wants it to be Jimmy G. Trey Lance might be able to sneak in and steal that job, but I think before the end of the season, it will be Trey Lance's job. And once again, he is the future. So something to watch there. I was listening to Jay Cutler, who's actually starting his own podcast. And he says something that really kind of stuck with me. He said, as much as guys want to be the starters kind of coming out of college, it's sometimes beneficial, as y'all saw with the Patrick Mahomes situation, to just sit there and watch a guy do the week by week basis of how he prepares, just so you have more information going to it. Because he said, it's not like in college where it's like the coach kind of walks you through everything. He's like, in the NFL, they're like, all right, get us exam, figure it out, see your practice. And you're supposed to be able to break everything down. And, and while North Dakota State did prepare Trey Lance for that in like a great way, it's always better from uh, Cutler's perspective to sit there and just watch somebody do it. So that's not even like down in your town or anything. But another quarterback battle, and this guy is a former Buckeye, so I'm definitely going to be watching this one, is with those Chicago Bears. You got Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. Heard a reporter. I'm going to read y'all what a reporter said. I thought this was hilarious. Despite Fields consistently showing his amazing talent, Matt Nagy seems stubborn to the very end. He is sticking with Dalton as a starting quarterback, despite how good Fields has been. It seems like this is the hill he's going to die on because he could be the first coach to get fired this year. That is definitely not funny because people losing jobs ain't funny. But it's just like that's, that kind of gives you the mood in Chicago for how these people are feeling about Justin Fields not being the starter. Not to mention they just watched him like do great things at Ohio State. And I think people kind of seen enough of Andy Dalton last year when he was with the Cowboys to kind of feel like, okay, this is who Andy Dalton is. We want Justin Fields. We want the future to start now. So, But um, or else, yeah, that turns out definitely, I'm almost guaranteed that Justin Fields will be starting there by week, I would say week six. Definitely by week six, hopefully before then. And uh, as soon as he gets that starting job, him, Trey, not Mac. I'm not really with Mac like that. But as soon as Trey, Justin get those starting jobs, definitely go ahead and get the player T-shirts. And that, it sounds like it's going to be another two guys that will be the future of college football. As a matter of fact, for the Matt Sports House Twitter page, 
soon I had to update the header because the header has like kind of the old school, even some young guys with Deshaun Watson and stuff, but soon the future will be here and it'll be looking more like uh, Kyler Murray, probably as soon as Deshaun gets this legal stuff figured out, he'll probably stay up there and probably guys like Trey Lance and Justin Fields and other guys that are coming through the program. You're the black quarterback, always excited about it. And I guess at this point, it's just the years of the black quarterback because it's never just, because we're just moving in that direction and it makes the game that much better. Wanted to give everybody an update though on in the Arizona Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals situation. Larry Fitzgerald said that he just doesn't have the urge to play right now. So he hasn't been participating in training camp of any sort. So don't expect to see him early. Maybe he'll get the itch a little bit later, but he has been playing football for just such a long time at this point. It's like, yeah, I actually kind of like playing golf or whatever he whatever else he's been doing. But good report coming out of Arizona is that AJ Green seems like he's back in rare form. Like not young AJ Green, because when you when you get older, you can't get younger again. But they're saying it definitely looks positive for him right now. He doesn't look watch, washed up red by any means of this or stretch of the imagination. So very good to hear that. Uh, another former Bulldog there. And last but not least, I actually got two things. I want y'all to hear this clip about what Shannon Sharp said, because apparently Jamar Chase has been struggling catching the ball and beating press coverage this uh, in the preseason. I think, yeah, I think I saw one game we had like three drops. And y'all have to remember he sat out last season because of the whole COVID thing. And so I think he's kind of struggling to kind of get back in that rhythm. And I could have said this, but I think listening to Shannon Sharp say it will make it so much more sense and it's so much more entertaining. So take a listen to this. I wouldn't be concerned about the drops because a lot of that is mental, Skip. You start dropping the ball and then you try to body catch it. And then you start like, are my hands correct? Should I do my hands like this? Should I do do my hands like this? You know, you always try to keep from having your thumbs down when you catch the football. And so a lot of that is mental. What I'm concerned about is they're talking about him having trouble getting off press coverage. Because if you're a wide receiver, you can't beat press coverage, you do two things. You coach or you sell cars. That, those, those are the only two options, Skip. Because Mike Shanahan used to come in there when we was playing in, in the AFC West. We had the Raiders and we had Kansas City. There was no secret what they were going to do. They're playing man coverage. Albert Lewis and, and, and uh, Kevin Ross are going to be right there. Yep. And then they got James Hasty and Dale Carter. They're going to mm. be right there. Yep. And the Raiders had Terry McDaniel, then they had Albert Lewis, and they had Lionel Washington yep. right there. Mm-hmm. And Mike said, look, you got two choices. Beat man coverage or you coaching. I ain't got no occup- I ain't got no got no availability on my coaching staff. Hey John, you hired at the coach and then selling cars? Mm-hmm. Like, nah, I'm booked up. So that's it, you're out of a job. So that's what's concerning to me, Skip, because I believe the drops are mental. You start, you start second guessing yourself, should I body catch it? Do I hand catch it? Do I let you catch the ball like this? All that. But he's gotta get off press coverage. And what he's learning, Skip, is that NFL DBs, they play through. There ain't no situation where, oh, he got to beat. In college, you get beat the guy, Skip, they just give up. That's not how it works in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They play through until you're on the ground. They're going to be digging and pulling at the ball. Yeah, so that's what old Shay Sharp has said about that. And he's a Hall of Famer, so who am I to disagree with him? Uh, hopefully, Jamar gets that kind of going on the right page. And maybe just maybe a couple more game action will kind of get him going. But he was an early first-round pick, and so you know how it goes. Much, well, who much is given, much is required. Like, the expectation for him is sky high. Not to mention Justin Jefferson almost put together, who was the second receiver on that LSU team, almost put together a rookie, uh, offensive rookie of the year type campaign. Well, no, I think it was rookie of the year period. I think so. 
I know Justin Herbert won the award, and I was like, oh, of course. But anyway, the, the pressure definitely on for Jamar Chase. Hopefully he's able to get that going. I told y'all that this is – that this year I wanted to add, like, a little high school type of uh, – not skit, but just kind of high school part of the segment. There you go. That's what I was looking for. A high school segment of the show. I wanted to talk – I think that you got three teams in the Midlands that we all know about that everybody should fear. <laughs> you got Ridgeview. They got the air attack. Uh, they, they, they just have ballers all around the place. Like, I was looking it up the other day. It seems like every single one of the uh, Ridgeview receivers is getting college attention, at least that first group, if you will. So definitely got to watch out for the uh, Ridgeview Blazers at receiver. They just air it. They can just air that ball out. Dutch Fork, they're going to keep doing what Dutch Fork does. I think they beat in the first week. They beat the team. I think they scored 70 points. And mind you, their last quarterback is like at Clemson. So it's like a whole new unit. Dutch Fork is like the high school version of, in South Carolina, the high school version of Alabama. And I think AC Floor is looking to repeat and they're off to a good start. I think they're 2-0. It's been really weird so far because these games keep getting canceled. And so they get canceled here, they get canceled there. So their teams are having to pick up like random opponents. But AC Floor is off to a 2 and no start. And I think they will look, and then a lot of, I've just noticed a lot of parents are transferring their kids to AC Floor because they think of like, okay, if I still want my kids to play public school or to go to school in public school, that they, and if I live in Richland One, this is the school where the most talent is going to be at, the best coaching, they have great coaching staff. And so uh, I think those are the three teams to watch. And like I said, I'll kind of keep everybody updated. And it's hard to say, okay, the AC floor is going to play such and such next week because the games keep getting canceled. Like I was really looking forward to watching that Ridge Sumter game because Sumter is one of the top defensive linemen in the state, but it got canceled already. So I'll keep everybody updated. But uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. Once again, if you're not following the Instagram account, make sure you follow it at Matt's Sports House. So that's two S's right there. Also, if you're a small business owner, large business owner, whatever they have you, if you're looking to get your, your message for your company on the podcast, uh, make sure you hit us up. On, you can just DM us, as a matter of fact, on the show. Or you can email me at MatthewCAnderson4, the number four, at gmail.com. And we will get that squared away and get your get your information for whatever your business or whatever message you need to be out uh, in the ears of the masses. And I'm going to, you know what? And I'm going to end every episode this season with a quote. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Something, just something to leave you with besides sports. But uh, so for this episode, we're going to go with proper preparation prevents poor performances. But with that being said, thanks for tuning into another episode and we will see you next week. Peace. She see money all around me I look like I'm the man Yeah, but I was down and out like last week